Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Hump Day, y'all. We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Michael. Hope everybody has had a good week thus far. I was able to go up to practice yesterday, catch up with Matt Mummy and bring Fallon Nicolosi. We'll have some written content coming out on that. Definitely keep your eyes and ears open this week. Going to have a lot of Rocky Mountain Showdown content coming out, which I'm really excited for. Also really excited to play this interview with Brian Roth. I was fortunate to catch up with the voice of the Rams, CSU play-by-play man. We talked for about a half hour. You can actually watch the video on the DNBR Sports YouTube if you would like. But of course, for you audio-only listeners, you can always just listen to it directly in the feed. I'm going to play that interview here momentarily. Uh, after that, I will give my updated top 25. Didn't end up getting to that the other day. Real quick, though, I just wanted to dive into what's been happening in Agland and shout out a couple of other programs on campus, specifically CSU football, the women's soccer team. They're off to the best start in program history. Started the season with a 1-1 draw at DU, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh no, here we go again. Last year, they were in a ton of matches, but they just couldn't seem to come out victorious. Well, ever since then, they've rattled out five straight victories. They're now 5-0-1 on the year. And they're absolutely rolling under Coach Hagan. They have now ripped off back-to-back true road wins, taking down Montana and Idaho State. Montana, especially a significant win for the program. And what's been really cool to see is a lot of the main contributors on this program are, you know, players that were brought in by Hagan. Almost every goal scored by CSU this year has been by players that did not start their career in Fort Collins. Auburn transfer, Olivia Fout, she's been especially dominant. She has four goals, one assist already. And I'm just really encouraged about the trajectory of this program. It does feel like 10 years in, CSU soccer should be a little bit more accomplished now. I do think the improved facilities, whenever they open up, that will that will definitely help the cause. But more than anything, I just think they have a sustainable recruiting model. This is a program that you know, you're going to try and recruit locally as much as you can coming out of the high school ranks, but a lot of talent is going to leave. But you are a very viable option in the transfer portal era. And when players see that they can come to CSU and hit the ground running and get an opportunity to play and, and star for this team, it just, it's going to open up windows for, you know, more and more talented players in the future. And I'm, I'm just very excited. It feels like a, a breath of fresh air, frankly. I really didn't get to know Bill Hempen all that well. I covered very little CSU soccer over the years. Did have an opportunity to talk to him on a a couple of occasions, and he was always a nice guy to me, but 
you know, I, I've just heard some not great things as far as his relationships with local high school and, and, and club coaches went. I have a cousin who was a very highly touted high school talent, had SEC offers, uh, ultimately went and played at VCU before transferring back to CSU. And frankly, she could have joined the team and been the, the best player in program history. And that's not me like trying to dapper up or anything like that because we're related. It's just the truth. And, you know, Hempen gave her a really hard time, basically, you know, said she wasn't going to start and just kind of tried to big timer. And I understand that you do have to have the message that everything is going to be earned. But frankly, you know, if you're a program like CSU, you should be welcoming this type of talent into your program with open arms. And just kind of from what I've heard over the years, that wasn't necessarily the case. You know, there were players that left schools, left really big time programs, came back home to Colorado, transferred to CSU, and they decided they'd rather not play soccer than play for the old staff. So I just, it feels like it's it's going in a, a much more positive direction than we had seen in, in recent years. And that's very exciting. Shout out to CSU Women's Soccer. Shout out to Coach Keeley Hagan. Keep up the great work. We love to see it. Saturday Neon is a company started by two friends and former college roommates, and they make officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. They're a Denver-based company, and whether you're a diehard fan or a casual supporter, you're going to love the way these signs light up in your team's colors. Saturday Neon signs are made with high-quality materials, and they're backed by a two-year warranty. They're shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim, so every sign is easy to install and operate. What's really cool is they're officially licensed for 19 select programs, including CSU, Alabama, Wisconsin, Auburn, so many others. They're great for man caves, dorm rooms, basements, bar areas. They're really great for anything. Go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. I also want to shout out our friends over at the Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas's first ever adult-only casino resort. It has a three-story stadium-style sportsbook, the world's largest. It takes 10 people to operate the 78 million pixel screen. They have great food options from Victory Burger and Wings Company to Project Barbecue. Tons of VIP seating. And the, the casino is to die for, guys. 7,000 square foot, two levels, over 1,300 slots, 48 table games with dancing dealers. And, and we haven't even talked about Stadium Swim. Circa has over 15,000 square feet of wet space. They have a 143 by 40 foot LED screen so you can watch all the sports poolside. I mean, it really is living the high life. If you're heading out to Vegas for the UNLV game or maybe Broncos Raiders matchup, Avs, Golden Knights, whatever. Maybe you're just going out there. Book your stay at the Circa Resort and Casino and use the code DNVR20 for 20% off. Again, DNVR20 for 20% off your stay at the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Also, the Circa app is available in Colorado. Circa sports bets can only be made while physically located in the state of Colorado. Must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circus Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. All right. I am fortunate to be joined by the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth. Brian, thank you so much for doing this. I was I was going through your bio and I realized you've been a part of CSU broadcast now for over 20 years. It's starting to add up, but it says your your first season on the sideline was 2001, which coincidentally that season kicked off with the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Do you remember that season at all? 
So, oh one was that was that forty two thirty five? I, I they run together. What what was the score of that game? It was it was actually forty one to fourteen. CU CSU was number twenty four going into the oh, game, but it was right. one of six consecutive years where one of the teams was ranked, one of the other teams was unranked, and the ranked team lost all six matchups. Right. No, it, it, unbelievable games back uh, in the early 2000s. And yeah, I, I had a front row seat on the sideline back then with Wyatt Thompson, and Rich Berkhamshaw in the booth. But yeah, that's a, that's a, it seems like another lifetime ago, Justin, when you start <laughs> talking about 2001, I was just a young pup back then. And now uh, a little bit of a uh, gray in the hair and all that stuff. And uh, obviously my, my personal life is much different with uh, a, a wife and three kids, but been uh been with Colorado State a long time. In fact, I over COVID, I went back and and I put on an Excel spreadsheet of every game I've been on the radio call, whether it be as a women's basketball sideline reporter or the actual voice of the Rams. And um, I think I'm going to get to if I do every game this year. I think I'll get to about 985. I think it is. Holy so I'll God. go over the I'll go over the thousand. Uh, thousand game broadcast mark next year uh, of the, you know, my CSU broadcasting career. So that that'll be a milestone. That uh, it'll be interesting when that when that happens because then it means I'm really old. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm gonna you know pick your brain on this upcoming Rocky Mountain Showdown, the state of CSU. But just given that you've been around the program for so long, just briefly, I kind of wanted to to pick your brain a little bit just on, on CSU and your time with the program. And obviously, you know, the early two thousands immediately Sonny Lubick comes to mind. What, what sticks out the most to you about just working around the program during that time? Well, I mean, the winning and conference championships and, and bowl games. And, you know, I was fresh out of college and I'd, I'd done two years in, in a small market up northeast Colorado, cutting my teeth in radio. And then I, I get to Colorado State and 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 winning games, winning conference championships, going to big time bowl games. It was just the norm. And I, I didn't know there was anything different. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, I started doing women's basketball then, too, right at, at the end of I, I didn't do Becky Hammond, but it was the Tom Collins was still there. And, we went to the NCAA tournament, one NCAA tournament games, my first couple of years doing the women's game and you're winning football. And it was just like, that's what it is. You, you win every single year in all, all the sports, obviously volleyball was, was winning it done back then. And then all of a sudden you weren't <laughs> winning anymore. It's like, Whoa, what's going on. And obviously uh, the football program has had some ups and downs since those stalwart sunny days that, you know, you've, you've kind of been more accustomed to losing, unfortunately, uh, of late. But great memories back in the day. I learned so much from so many different folks in the athletic department and Gary Ozello and, you know, a guy like Sonny Lubick. And then you go to the folks covering the media uh, back then. I mean, there's both the Rocky Mountain News was around. The Denver Post was around. Natalie Meisner was there. Randy Holtz. Um, Woody Page was always up at uh, – up at the practices. So I just remember being around a lot of established media folks that I wanted to learn from. And obviously we had a radio crew that was a veteran and really good radio crew and winning games. And it just, it, it was fun. Those, those were the glory days for CSU and the Sun Lubick era. And, and I'm hoping with, with Jay Norvell, we can, we can replicate that next day. This is kind of a difficult thing to answer or quantify, but 
just watching the program of late, one of the things that's kind of stuck out to me these last couple of years is it feels like CSU as a program, especially like if they get down seven, get down 10, they don't have that confidence like that they're going to come back and win. And the thing about winning teams is they always feel like they're in it. I don't know. I don't know when that flipped, but I do think that's a big part of turning things around for this program just because it's not like they don't have talent. They clearly have talent, but how do you change that mindset, that like bad mojo that just seems to be, you know, associated with the program now for multiple coaching staffs? Yeah. I mean, you change it by winning. Right. And, and of course that's the easier said than done, but right. And so, uh, you know, but you know, you think back to like uh, Jim McElwain when he got the program back going and, and in 2012, they they won a few games right at the end of the season to kind of build a little momentum. Then you looked at 2013, uh, making it to a bowl game, and obviously what happened to the New Mexico Bowl against Washington State, where you 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 win a game you had no business of winning. You know, within 14 with like two and a half minutes to go in that game, and you end up winning regulation, not even in overtime, but in regulation. And then what did that do? It's, it's you know snowballed into 2014. And the interesting thing about 2014, if you go back. Look at that that schedule, Dustin. They could have easily been a, a six or seven win team that year in Jim McElwain's final season. I mean, they won a ton of close games, and I remember the the the, the Utah State game where they won on a last second uh, field goal. I mean, they won so many close games in 2014 that they got to ten wins and were nationally ranked. But remember, they closed out thirteen by winning a close game in a game they shouldn't have, and and a belief starts to build. Okay, now you're in close game tight games, but we've done it before. We we've went won close games. We're not phased by being down, and and so I think it comes with with doing it. It's like how does how does one get confidence in their their craft, whether it be as a quarterback or as a, a podcaster or a writer or a teacher in the classroom? Well, confidence is earned. I mean, yeah. confidence is just one day you say, hey, I have confidence, so, so I'm going to go out there and play with confidence. Confidence is earned. You've got to build that and gain it organically. And so that's what they have to do. I mean, you've you got to go out and start winning games in a six-win season here this year and making maybe beating Air Force or Boise, maybe beating Wyoming. And, and all of a sudden, you go into next year and, and winning eight games doesn't seem impossible. Winning nine games doesn't seem impossible. Beating Boise again, if you happen to beat them this year, all of a sudden that's not a roadblock because that that roadblock has already been kicked down. So you got to do it. But you know, there lies the crux again. You, you just you got to go out and do it. And and unfortunately, for whatever reason, CSU just hasn't been able to to, to do that. I'm glad you brought up 2013 because I'm I just so agree with you. I think it's that momentum that they established down the stretch, but. I mean, a lot of people forget that 2013 season, it didn't necessarily start the way they hoped. I mean, they dropped a game at Tulsa that was very winnable. They lost a game right. at home to San Jose State, who I think was maybe coached by Mike McIntyre at the time. Like they, they you know, lost a, a game that they were in it against CU. Like that season very well could have crumbled Boise State. I mean, it could have been a situation where like, ah, you had these tough losses, you were in it. And unfortunately, things didn't go the way you hoped right at the beginning. So you just threw in the towel. Instead, they respond down the stretch. They beat Wyoming. You know, they beat Air Force in the same season for the first time and forever. I mean, that almost never happens, beating them both in the same year. But I, I, they just they got to get some of them that momentum rolling. And I think these next couple of games are, are going to be really key for CSU in doing so, because you've obviously got CU, which we'll talk about. But 
you know, Middle Tennessee, UNLV, uh, Utah State. Those are all games that feel like they could very easily go either way for you. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the start of the season, you could have very well looked at the schedule and said, hey, they're going to start 0-2. And, and so if you lose to Colorado on Saturday night, it's not going to be the, the end of the world. But, you know, mid- Middle Tennessee's 0-2 right now they'll probably be one and two by the time the rams roll into murfreesboro i mean they just thumped at alabama to open up the the season and that, that i mean that certainly we got to see the rams take a step forward on saturday night but that to me is a is a winnable game utah tech you, you better win that the following yeah, no week kidding. and then you get into the mountain west conference and yeah, i mean I, I, there's a lot of winnable games on the schedule and you have to go out and start winning those games and you know the Rams won three conference games last year with an offense that was amongst the worst in the entire nation. And they were I in that, seven of them. Well, right. I mean, so the, the the offense is going to be better this year. I know it wasn't very good against Washington State. I, it's going to be better this year. They have year. too much I, talent, right? Way too much talent. I mean, the, the running backs are good. You have two guys. I think Vince Brown's a good tight end, obviously, to go with Holker. Then you look at the skilled wide receiver positions. They have too much talent not to be better on, on offense, but it's got to grow. That confidence has got to grow. So regardless of what happened Saturday night against Colorado, this is a team that's got to get better. And if and if you can go 2-2 two and two in non-conference and go into Mountain West Conference play and say, hey, we're starting to get this, we're starting to roll this, the Mountain West isn't great this year. I mean, I think Boise is probably still the best team, but they're 0-2 on the season, granted against very good competition, but lost at home last week to UCF. Air Force will be good, but I don't think that this is a, a conference that's just so strong that you're just hoping for three wins in conference play. I mean, I, I think you can if you get it rolling, win six games in conference play. And if you go two and two in non-conference, then there's an eight-win regular season for you. Not saying the Rams are going to win eight this year, but I still think that's on the table moving forward. But got to see improvement here coming up on Saturday night. Well, kind of off of that, now that you've had some space from week one, obviously Wazoo came out and kind of backed up their strong performance by following it up with a victory over Wisconsin. I guess just what is your general assessment of that week one game? You know, how, how worried are you? It, it sounds like you're still confident in the offense moving forward. Feel like all their goals are, are very much attainable. Yeah. I mean, I think it was an alarming game with the way that it transpired. Um, but I also don't think that you need to just completely hit the panic button because it is one of 12. Right. And being on this program as you have spring, and then here in fall camp, to me, I mean, I was very optimistic. And I, I'm not going to lose my optimism because they threw a clunker in the first week against, as you mentioned, a very good Washington State team. And uh, watch that game on Saturday night. It's funny. My, my kids, my family were at the Washington State game. And like kids do, they went around collecting stuff. And they brought home Washington State pom-poms. Because instead of alumni association, I had just like, what is this doing in our house? But watching the Washington State Wisconsin game, I was on the couch and my kids were watching, and they literally were waving Wisconsin, I mean, uh, Washington State palm pumps because I think we all were. Because we we're like, please back it please up, please. It. Washington <laughs> State's good, right? I mean, yeah. if Washington State gets smoked at home, you're like, oh boy. So it makes you feel a little bit better about that that loss to Washington State. Not a ton better because CSU didn't play well on offense and defense. 
but I I can't just abandon my optimism that I have for for coach development staff and the talent that this team after one week. So you know it's going to be a process. I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday night. We'll see. But again, even if CSU loses by two, three, four touchdowns on Saturday night. I'm still not going to lose my, my my optimism. Now, if we get into mid-October and the Rams are 0-6, the optimism might be gone. But I, I still think there's just too much talent. And, and we've seen Jay Norvell do it before at Nevada. We've seen him do it. And if you can win at Nevada and do what he was doing at Nevada, because they, they were this close to having a couple of 10-win seasons there, in particular mm-hmm. their, their, their last year, year five at Nevada, that if you can do it there, you certainly – should be able to do that here with the facilities at Colorado State. We've seen what he's been able to do on the recruiting trail. That I have confidence in Jay Norville that they're going to get this thing moving in the right direction this season. And, and I, I'm hoping it shows itself in, in six, seven, eight wins. Coming into this season, a big focus was definitely on the offensive line. I wouldn't say it was a stellar showing by the group, but obviously nothing like we saw last year in terms of the quarterbacks getting abused. I mean, they had time to make some plays. It wasn't like, I mean, gosh, the year before, I think it was seven sacks and like 12 tackles for loss against Wazoo. You had a fraction of that this time around. Are, are you, uh, I don't know, confident or was it an encouraging performance by that group, especially given the fact that Wazoo has a good defensive line? Yeah. I mean, I think it's um, incomplete. Uh, at this point, and you know the funny thing is, I, I tell people this: like, hey, how's the offensive line going to be? It's going to be improved. You've been out of practice, and I'm like, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's like I'm not an offensive line guru, right? I, I don't, I don't go to football games and just study the offensive line. It's yeah. just not what I do. It wouldn't help me in my craft and my profession as a play-by-play guy. And so I, I just kind of leave that stuff to the folks that know offensive line and, and their football coaches and offensive line coaches and and former. College and NFL offensive linemen obviously have a great understanding of that. I don't, and but there were there were times it, it looked a little bit like last. Year. There was a couple of jailbreaks. There was uh, the fourth down um, was that early in the second quarter, and the Rams went for it inside. Yeah, their own just got completely line. snuffed. Yeah, just got completely snuffed. We saw that many times last year, where it's like, okay, let's go. We have a half a yard to go go out there and get a half yard and keep the drive alive. And a lot of times the Rams weren't able to do that. So that turned me a little bit, but I also thought we saw some uh, things that the offensive line last year wasn't able to do. And, and let's remember that's a new group too. And, and you know, what I do know about offensive line play is that it's got to be a cohesive unit. Everybody's yeah, got to sure. be on the exact same page and have Jacob Gardner back at center this year for Colorado State. And fingers crossed that's where he plays the entire year. I think they're going to improve and, and get better. Uh, so it's incomplete. I'm hopeful that it's not just better, but much better. And if it is, and I think you'll start seeing this CSU offense get going with whoever's going to be playing quarterback, I think you'll see it get going. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because that's obviously the big focus going into this week. CSU, big headlines in terms of, you know, whenever you make a quarterback change, especially at this stage of the season, what was your reaction to that? Was the timing at all surprising to you, given that it's only week two? I mean, you are going into a hostile environment, um, but I mean, obviously the offense really struggled those first three weeks and or first three quarters and most of last season. So, you know, you got to be able to, to move the ball. Just what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I thought the opener in its entirety was alarming uh, against Washington State, but but I thought the quarterback play was was alarming a little bit. And you know, Clay Millen is three years in this offense. He was the starter all last year. I know he got the tar beat out of him, but sacked he was sacked fifty five times. Uh, on the season and obviously missed some time. We saw all the quarterbacks last year because Clay got beat up and I thought he showed good resiliency and, and, and toughness. But with that season under his belt, coming in with the weapons that he has this year, I was expecting in game one, in quarter one, to see him take that step forward, right? And and certainly the first drive looked great. I mean, the Rams went right down the field and uh, didn't throw the football downfield much at all on that drive, but again, they were working quick with tempo, looked like a quarterback out there that that had full control of, of the offense. And, and then that just completely went away. And, you know, I think when you go almost, geez, I mean, almost, 28 minutes of football without first down. Yeah. It's a problem. I mean, that, that that's a problem. And unfortunately it's gets thrown on the quarterback. I mean, you, you win, it's the quarterback you lose. It's the quarterback, right? I mean, it's just the nature of the position, but you know, they were stuck in neutral and it, then, and then you get out of the start of the second half and, and you're seven, Justin, that was a 17, three game. I know you're right in it and you get the ball. I mean, you go down and you score a touchdown, the complete, you know, the context of that matchup completely shifts, completely shift. Washington state was by far a better team in the first half, but you can turn that thing around still at that point with a, with a scoring drive, open up the third quarter. Well, they go three and out again, all of a sudden it's 23, three, and then the pick six. And, you know, I, I think that's a lot to, to, to overcome, uh, as as a quarterback and with the coaching staff to, to have confidence in, a, in in that and and sometimes it's not all the quarterback fault but that's the easiest change that you can make to 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 switch it up and Brady Nicholas started Nevada last year and only threw for I think seventy eight yards but remember drove them fifty three yards down the field time running out for the game winning field goal that they would knock through and the Rams would win that seventeen fourteen. He has experience, played in three games last year, came in and 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 threw the football downfield now in, in the Washington State game. Now, some of that's because of how the game had gone. Um, it was in hand at that point into the fourth quarter, but you, you saw him throwing the football downfield, make some really nice throws. I think he's got a bit of quick release. And he's also a more mobile quarterback, and he's a better running quarterback. And, and if you watch the Nebraska game, Last week, the Nebraska's quarterback was able to hurt Colorado with his with his feet on occasion, and I think he'll be able to. Brandon Fowler, Nicolosi will be able to uh, elude the pass rush, maybe a little bit more than Miller. What's it going to look like in terms of offense production Saturday? I have no idea. And who knows? Clay Millen may be the starting quarterback at, at Middle Tennessee. I I don't know, but what you want to see is somebody, whether it be Clay, whether it be Brandon Fowler, Nicolosi, whether it be somebody else take that job and just secure it and become a leader on offense and off we go. And just hope, I don't care who it is, Justin, if it's you and they put you out there and you lead the offense to 30 points a game, I'm on board, but you need to see it. And somebody has got to take the reins. I'm right there with you. Um, Outside of QB play, what are some keys, I guess, for you just with CSU and being able to hang in this one to me, 
they got to run the football very similarly to what they did at, at Nevada last year, control the tempo, try and limit, you know, the, the offensive possessions that CU has, because obviously they've got a lot of game breaking speed out there. Um, but what are some of the keys for you with CSU and, and playing well in this one? Well, I mean, I, I think you've got to shorten the game as much as you can. And um, this is Colorado's given up some rushing yards this year. I think TCU ran for 262. Um, Nebraska had some big runs in the game that put them over the 200-yard mark. Um, the defense received that was consistently better against the run than they were the previous week against TCU. But you've got to be able to run the football. And, you know, I, I don't want to see this offense completely neutered on Saturday night, but but you've, you've got to shorten the game as much as you can. Because, I mean, look, through the first two games, it's pretty clear. Colorado is an exceptionally gifted and fast offensive team. I mean, Jadur Sanders is, is really, really good and they're going to score points. And, and so if you can shorten the game, I think it's going to help. Obviously you got to keep up with them offensively. There's just, I mean, you gotta, but I'd like to see improvement from that Colorado state defense. And when, when we talk about the disappointing season, open, I'm, you know, disappointed about that defense. I, I have still have high hopes for the defense. Like I said, I'm not, throwing out my optimism because I think we all felt the defense was going to be a strong point of this team this year. And uh, man, did they get carved up by, by Cam Ward? The tempo really hurt Colorado state uh, in particular. Yeah. In that was a half. Yeah. yeah. just like, and they're out of position. And, and so hopefully they, they get stuff correct where they, they're not going to shut down standards in, in Colorado, but, it, but if you can slow them down, a run game to kind of shorten the game and obviously got to come up with some turnovers, have to have some things go your way. And, you know, who knows, but that's kind of, I think the, the recipe for success on a Saturday night in a game in which what you're now 24 point underdog and, and nobody outside of CSU alums and, and people living in Fort Collins, nobody expects you to go and, and win that football game. It's going to be interesting, man. I don't, I mean, obviously, if you're a CSU fan looking for, you know, how you can talk yourself into thinking this could go well, is it does feel like the classic trap game situation where you have the team who has all the love and the flash and, you know, they're coming off the bad season. Everything's great. But they also got Oregon and USC coming right around the corner. I mean, watching Dion's press conference, it, it doesn't seem like he has given Colorado State the same attentiveness that he gave Nebraska. Let's hope. I mean, that, that, that's what you hope. And um, I mean, when you go into a game, 24 point underdogs, you need some stuff to go your way. And if Colorado comes out with their a game on Saturday night, it, it, it could be tough to win that. But if they come out with a C game and, and you bring your a game, or as Nico Med likes to say, if you have your fastball and maybe CSU or CU doesn't have the fastball, uh, okay, and all of a sudden it, it goes from here to here, and then all of a sudden a turnover here or there, and it starts getting like this, and a play or two breaks your way, and then that then you're in the game, and if you're in the game in the fourth quarter, all the pressure would be on Colorado if that scenario played out, and, and they would have to be the ones that would be like, whoa, we cannot lose this game for a number of reasons. I mean – it's Colorado State, the darling of the sports world. All the eyes <laughs> are on you. Like you lose at home when you're a three touchdown 
favorite. That's 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 pressure in particular if you got to the fourth quarter. This is a um, a tightly contested game. So there's 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 hope I think out there for Colorado State. CSU got to just play better than what they did in the week one, and and hopefully the bye week they were able to get stuff corrected and you come out and at least show signs of football team. I think we all are hoping to see this year. I'm going to let you get out of here just real quick. We did have a couple of Twitter questions for you from Ram fans. Um, if you were the head coach, what celebrity slash alumnus are you bringing to talk to the team to kind of pump them up? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I've grew up a Broncos fan, so uh, I love John Elway, although uh, I don't know if I want Elway near my football team, <laughs> not near my quarterbacks at least. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big music fan. Uh, but I, you do I don't post a lot of photos at concerts. I'm always impressed, and it's like a wide yeah. range of music. It always impresses yeah. me. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think any of the musicians that I that I like would be able to fire up a a football team. So <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a tough one. I'm not into, I'm not into celebrities and all of that stuff. So I'm not sure. That's fair. All right, and then uh, one more just for you. Boulder D-line versus the Wazoo D-line. We've kind of already gotten into this, but just based on what you've seen, you know, CU these last two games versus what we saw with Washington State, do you feel like the Rams should be able to run the ball on them? Well, I mean, we didn't see the Rams run the football very well last year. And in the opener against Washington State, we didn't see the Rams be able to run the football at all. So I don't know if I would say I expect CSU to be able to run the football until I start seeing it consistently, right? Now yeah. we get to get to mid-October and all of a sudden the the rush numbers, which you know, if this air raid offense is really going, the rush numbers aren't ever going to be 200 plus rushing yards per game. I mean, I guess they could be, but that's not consistently not, at least. Right. Yeah. That's not how this offense really is built. But you know, if we get, you know, CSU's rushing the football for 140 or 50 yards per game, then then I might say, yeah, I expect CSU to be able to run the football in said game moving forward. But they've got to do it. I mean, look, I know TCU was able to run the football. Raskin ran the football this week, so that gives me a, a little bit of hope that the Rams might be able to run the football. Um I think when you look at the defense line for Washington State, uh, I don't think Colorado has two edge players like Agreed. like Washington State has. So that's good news. Um, but I also think it's a Colorado defense watching both the TCU game and the Nebraska game. I watched it last night. I, I thought it was a defense that played much better and made a jump from week one to week two, speaking of Colorado. So, um but, but you, you better be able to run the football on Saturday night, however they get it done, whether it's Val Nicolosi being able to to have have some keepers that go for big plays like, like Nebraska did, or if it's just the thunder and lightning with Morrow and Johnson. Any run game will be helpful on Saturday night. Brian, thank, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. You've got a big pod coming up with the voice of the buffs, right, Mark Johnson? Yeah, yeah, had had Mark Johnson on, and I love Mark. <laughs> he, he's great, and he is just static as he should be. Uh, as Buff fans should be. I mean, we have to be happy for him. I am happy for Mark. I'm happy Buff for fan, Mark. Not I'm not happy much. for the Buff. Mark's a great yeah. guy. Yeah, Mark's great, and I just know in this business, being a play-by-play guy, it's a great job. Uh, we all have any any play-by-play guy just is really passionate about calling games and describing it for listeners on the radio 
But man, is the job much more fun when your team wins. And he's called a lot of bad football over the years, as unfortunately I have. So I'm 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 happy for him. He he's he'll shed some light on what it's like at Colorado on the podcast. So it, it was fascinating to talk to him. So yeah, Colorado State Insider. And um yeah, and he'll he'll give a pretty good preview of what to expect from uh from Colorado having obviously covered the team all training camp and through the first two games. Brian, this means a lot to me that you gave me some time. I, I love everything that you do. I think you bring a ton of passion to the to the booth, and it's just a great asset for Ram fans. So, you know, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And, you know, for your sake and my sake, hopefully we get to cover a little bit more fun football this fall. Yes, I think so. Well, Justin, brighter days ahead. There's no question. And appreciate uh, what uh, you guys do over there at DABR uh, and your coverage of, of Colorado State. We need more of it. I appreciate you. All right. Big shout out to Brian Ross for taking some time out of his busy schedule to join the show. We're about to get into my updated top 25 for college football. It was kind of a crazy week last week, but when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Bax and Shankers won over $1 billion for their clients, now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Bax and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker helps a lot of kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, ride chair, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. Also, take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company, but they offer a world-class product, and it's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames, extremely clear optics, perfect for outdoor adventures. And that's not all either. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every single pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can shop the entire collection at the brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall, full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, just exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. Again, no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com, use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, before we get out of here, just going to run through my top 25. We do it every week. Uh, this is just my personal opinion. If you disagree, that's fine. Tell me on Twitter why I'm wrong. Um, as, as far as teams jumping out, dropping in, didn't have quite as much movement as we did the week before. We have both Wisconsin and Texas A&M falling out. Washington State and Miami, who beat those teams, jump in. My biggest riser, Texas, who's now at number three after beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I mean, you don't go into Tuscaloosa and dominate the Crimson Tide the way that Texas did. And I got to be honest, the the talent that Texas has in the trenches at the receiver position, they feel like legit national title contenders. And I know we make a lot of jokes about Texas's back and all that, and there have been plenty of opportunities to mock them over the last 10, 15 years. But this is a program that, I mean, they, it feels like they're, they're on the rise once again. Uh, biggest faller, Bama falls from 
three to ten after falling at home seven spots. Number eighteen, Wisconsin, drops out after falling to Wazoo for the second straight year. Maybe a little bit too harsh in hindsight, but I mean, you lose to a team that I didn't have ranked coming in. It's always going to hurt you, especially at this stage. Firmly expect Wisconsin to be back in the top twenty-five, especially because. I think as the year goes on and Washington State continues to play, you know, we won't look at that as a bad loss for the Badgers. Anyways, at number one, I have Georgia. At number two, I have Michigan. That has not changed. I really considered putting Texas at two. Until Georgia loses, I just don't think I can drop them because nothing I've seen out of that program the last couple of years makes me feel like they're going to let me down. Um, I did keep Michigan at two just because I. I'm really high on this Wolverines team. I think they are legit title contenders. I think they would beat Texas in a head-to-head. So I did keep it, but I struggled with what to do here because admittedly going into Tuscaloosa, that's the best win of the season thus far. Even more impressive than what Florida State uh, did to LSU in the week one slate. I don't know. It's a really hard process. But I've got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Texas 3, Florida State 4. Those have been the most impressive teams to me. At 5, I have Penn State who I think, you know, very quickly becoming a legitimate threat to Michigan in the Big Ten. They've got a better quarterback situation going right now than Ohio State. Uh, Six, USC, Caleb Williams is a freak. I just have questions about them defensively, and I wonder in a brutal Pac-12 if they're going to be able to survive the gauntlet. Ohio State, seven. Washington, eight. Look out for Penix. Utah, nine. Again, hilarious that the last year of the Pac-12 has this many quality teams. I've got Bama at 10, Oregon State 11, Notre Dame 12, Tennessee 13. Then I go to a run, which is basically the same as last week, Oregon, Kansas State, LSU, Oklahoma. That is 14 through 17. Colorado jumps up to 18 after handling Nebraska, but also that has to do some of, also has some of to do with what some of the other teams did or failed to do. You know, Ole Miss, they did beat Tulane, but they were missing their quarterback really kind of struggled. So I've got them at 20 despite winning on the road. North Carolina 19 in between. Uh, Duke at 21. Miami at 22. Really starting to impress. Tyler Van Dyke, keep an eye on him. I do have Wazoo in the top 25 at 23 after their hot start. Really do think they're a great team. Miami 24 and Clemson 25. Same spot I had them at last week. This is really just for fun more than anything, but it's just kind of giving you guys an idea of what I think of the national college football landscape. Try not to spend too much time, you know, going over every single team, every single matchup and stuff like that. As the year goes on, the bigger games, you know, we'll, we'll focus a little bit more in depth. But uh, top four, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Florida State. Let me know what you think. We'll be back with more content throughout the week, including DNVR Rams live on Thursday. Originally said it's going to be at 9.30, which is our typical time, but it will actually be moved up to 9 due to some scheduling conflicts with production. We've got a lot going on as a company right now. I'll tweet that out so you guys can remember. Um, Get your questions in on the CSU Reddit if you want to take part in my AMA. I'll be answering those on Friday. And yeah, like I said, tons of CSU content coming your way. Looking forward to the return of the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Much love, y'all. Always proud to be. Peace. What would you say if I told you I'd be the greatest MC that there ever was? And what would
what'd you say if I told you that I could take a bunch of kids from the bottom and bring them to number one? And what would you say if I told you and nobody in the Brock and Buzz sold out crowd? Damn, that shit is crazy. You probably never make it. Were you listening to that right now? I said we 